I love pizza. I love donuts. I especially love donuts as dessert after pizza. <laughs> and that's not even a lie. Um, <laughs> I love chocolate. I love the Green Bay Packers, although not so much last Sunday night. Um, I love my mom. I love my family. I actually love you. I do. In case you're wondering, I do. Um, I love listening to music on vinyl uh, through a tube amplifier, amplifier, tube preamp amplifier. It's amazing. I love music. We use love in English for all kinds of stuff. I love this, I love that, I love, you know. We use it for relationships, we use it for things, we use it for experiences, we, you know, on and on and on. In Greek, they had different words for love that meant different sort of manifestations or degrees, that's a better word, different degrees of lovingness. C.S. Lewis has a really good book called The Four Loves, and he points out four different types of Greek or four different words that speak to four types of lovingness. Store, you don't, it's not on the test, so you don't have to remember it, but it'll make me sound really smart because I read them. Um, storge, which is the love of affection for a thing or a person. Philia, which is the love of friendship, the bond of friendship that two people share. Eros, which is the love uh, between the sexes consummated in, in the love between a, a husband and wife. And agape, which is the love that God has for us, a, the highest form of love, the love that is unconditional, the love that is completely self-giving and focused on the other. And so I went to my Greek New Testament just to confirm what was the word that Jesus used. You already know the answer. But it wasn't, you shall love God like a friend. It wasn't that you should love God with affection. It wasn't that it would be eros. It was actually the, I have to remember now, it was the second person, future, active, indicative. <laughs> no, I don't have that memorized. I, my Greek isn't that good, but I found it. Second person, future, uh, active, indicative. You shall love of, a, of agape. You shall love with everything. Everything you are and everything you have. Unconditionally, and love the way that God loves you with total self-giving. Now, so when we hear, oftentimes we hear this commandment and people say, well, you know, you Christians, you're supposed to be all about love and that doesn't seem loving if you, usually happens if we say something is wrong because it's been divinely revealed that something X, Y, or Z is wrong, and then people say, well, you're judgmental, or you're not loving, or you're, you know, whatever. Um, 
because we throw about the word love in such a cavalier manner. I mean, the Beatles were right, all you need is love, as long as they meant all you need is agape. They might have meant that. All we need is love, and the point that Jesus is making about the law relative to love is that if you love like that, you don't have to worry about breaking the commandments because you're not going to do it if you love in this completely self-giving and unconditional way. And ideally, the Christian ethic is focused on that, not on all the stuff I can't do. It's not that the law goes away. It's that the law is always going to be kept if we're focused on loving. The other thing is that, you know, because, of, because it's a verb, when Christ says you shall love, he's saying it's an action. It's an action because love can be a noun and, you know, but by using it as a verb, he's, he's clearly saying it is an action. It's an active thing. And so for us to reflect then, how do we actively love God? You know, children, I can only imagine how many of you even today said, oh, we have to go to Mass again? We just went last week. Why do we always have to go to Mass? Well, principally, we go to Mass to love God, to show our love for God. He's asked us to come. He's kind of commanded us. He has commanded us. But it's good for us, who have been created by God, to manifest our love for God, and not just mere affection, not just mere sentiment, like I have loving feelings for God, that's not what he's, I mean, that's good, but that's not what he's asking for. That's a lower form of love, an easier way to love. It's easy for people to say, well, I love God. Really? When was the last time you went to church? Well, I don't need to go to church to love God. Okay, but when is the last time you actually showed it? Oh, well, I feel it. Okay, that's a good start, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the Lord is asking us to love him actively. I mean, imagine, think of it, husbands with your wives. Imagine going to your wife and saying, well, look, you know I love you, right? I mean, we've been married at least, you know, 10 years. You probably lost count. We've been married 20 years. You know I love you. Can we just, like, figure out how many times I have to say it in a week? Three? Is three enough? What is the least amount of times I have to demonstrate my love for you to be, for you to be okay? I don't encourage that conversation. <laughs> you know, my beloved, what, what is the, the least way, the least amount of ways I can demonstrate my love? Well, if God is the most important person in our life, then we don't ask that question. The question we ask is, am I loving God enough? And am I actively loving God enough? One of the things you'll notice, this is very con- conscious uh, between uh, Chris and I, with choosing the music at Mass. The, the music and the lyrics we, u- we choose are specifically focused on that transcendental relationship, that transcendent relationship of trying to focus ourselves on the love of God. There's all kinds of songs we can sing at Mass, and some of them are more focused on us and we and, 
all the rest, and that's not a bad thing. But if Sunday worship isn't first worship of God, then it becomes worship of us, which is obviously not why we're here. And so our activity, our action at Mass needs to be actions of love toward God first. And even the the reception of Holy Communion where we receive God's love manifest in the Holy Eucharist, even that act is an act of love on our part, of our whole entire being. Now, the second half of, of the commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. Again, using the word agape, agape love, full, complete, unconditional, but self-giving love. Not thinking of ourselves first, thinking of the other first, doing what is best for the other person first. To be able to get there, though, we have to first be able to love ourselves. Because remember, the commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. What if you don't love yourself? What if you don't really think you're all that good? A lot of people grow up with this lie. A lot of people grow up and, and they grow old thinking they can't be loved or that love has to be earned. Or they, have to, they have to prove themselves to be able to be loved, even by God. Or they, they grow up, and, and there's all kinds of reasons for this, they, they don't believe that they're actually lovable. How could God love me, let alone anyone else? Well, that, if a person believes these things, it's going to be very difficult to love their neighbor as themselves. And so it's necessary to get rid of that junk and those lies and recognize that God doesn't create beings that are not lovable. Every single one of us, even the men. <laughs> well, because, you know, guys don't generally think that way. So in my household, I grew up, so I, you know, I played the piano growing up and uh, was a musician. And my mother loves Barry Manilow. And she bought me a Barry Manilow book. And every time somebody came over to visit, John, play that one Barry Manilow song you know. I know them all. This is not a lie. I know every single Barry Manilow song, pretty much, there is, all the hits, and can perform them. No, I won't do it right now. But one day I might. I grew up with love songs and, and all of that stuff. And, and actually, I'm really pretty happy about it in the end because I'm kind of a softy inside. And I'm okay with that. But it took me a long time to be okay with that. It took me a long time as a man to, to be able to figure out how I can be both you know, masculine as well as sensitive and be able to express my love, to be able to say it and really mean it. And to have that integrated, it just doesn't happen overnight. And and it's not just men, it's women too that can struggle with this. But you first have to be able to figure out what's, what's wrong with me that I don't believe that I'm lovable because every single one of you are. Every single one of us. God creates us 
for that reason. You remember your Baltimore Catechism, some of you gray hairs. Why did God create us? To love us and to receive the love back. That's the first reason he created us, is for love, for this relationship of lovingness. And why would that be? Because God is love insofar as, well, and completely as he, re- as he relates to himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very love of God. From all of eternity, God is, in fact, in his existence, love. And he creates us in that image. So he creates us for love. And then he creates us to not just return the love to him, but to share that love and not the affection. I mean, the affection, yes, and the friendship, yes. You know, and the erotic love, yes, within the right context. But the crowning love, to love unconditionally and fully self-giving is why we were created. All of the other loves point to this. So it's a good reflection for us to, to also say, well, or look at, how am I loving my neighbor? And by the way, when Jesus says neighbor, he means everyone. Not just the people we like, but the people we don't like, we're still supposed to love. When I asked everybody, this, this was an experiment. There's all kinds of experiments going on behind the scenes that I'm wondering how you're going to react, by the way. And one of them was when I asked everybody to wear masks. And I was just really curious. I wonder if they'll do it. You know, or I wonder if we'll get a bunch of people uh, with pickets and, you know, picketing and ready to, ready to take me out or, you know. Because, again, I have brother priests who tell me that, you know, they, they're having trouble sometimes getting 50% of their people to wear a mask. Because, it's, you know, it's be, it, the political thing and all that stuff. And that's a real thing out there. But as I have maintained with all of you, the whole mask thing is about us in here. It's not about Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or whatever. It's about how we can demonstrate our love for each other. And I am so incredibly proud of this community. And I'm grateful that we've said, okay, none of us like masks, and you all look totally goofy wearing them. None of them like it. We don't like it. Of course we don't. And there's arguments about the efficacy. But what if it helps 20%? What if it just helps some of the people in our community to feel safer? What if just that, and it helps them to come to church? That's love. That's lovingness. That's saying, I'm not focused on myself, because if we were, we just wouldn't do it, a lot of us. We're focused on each other. And so we do the things we don't necessarily want to do or feel like we want to do because we love and we look for the greater good. Just trying to use a couple examples. The other example, given the election is almost here, hopefully there's not too much carnage in your families yet, as you've been telling each other who you voted for. I remember four years ago, it was the first time that, that as a priest, I, I had really ever seen how vitriolic it got. It got so contentious and people, marriages ended and, and family members didn't talk to each other. And I mean, it was, it was incredible, the carnage. And you say, well, how, well, people come and tell me or they come to confession and they tell me. 
this is what happened. And don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Look, the, a lot of it is, is psychological, what's happening to us through both the media as well as candidates. When you only have two people, they have to make the other person as bad as possible and demonize them. And then, of course, everybody who votes for them must be the same. But that's not true. I've met parishioners who are voting for one candidate and parishioners who are voting for the other. And they talk to me about it, and we talk. And I love them just as much as I ever did. I don't agree with all of them, but I love them. It's possible. It's possible. If we remember what's most important in our lives, What's most important in our lives is not the 2020 election, despite the commercials and ads you see on TV. And if, if we know our history, it's funny, one of the, one of the ones that, that I think is, is kind of ridiculous is this is the most consequential election ever in the history of the world, even places where there aren't elections. <laughs> well, if you look historically, it's probably not, actually. It probably isn't. Now, maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. Maybe somebody who votes for Biden and they're in my family isn't a horrible person. Or somebody who votes for Trump, maybe they're not a horrible person. Maybe they just see the world differently. Maybe, and this is one of the things I found too, is the people that I've talked to who have voted for somebody other than the one I have, I'm not going to tell you who, is that we actually pretty much share the same goals and the same ends, but we have different understandings, methodologies, or we differ in the particulars of how to get there. But I've found that every person that I've talked to reasonably is just a regular, wonderful, lovable person. So I, I think this is important for us because there's enough division out there we don't need more, that doesn't help us. There's enough violence out there, we don't need more. What we need is unity, and the unity comes through love. The unity comes through not focusing on, on myself first, but focusing on the other person first. How can I love them? How can I secure their good? How can I do what's best for them? How can I maintain peace in my household and my family? etc. All right, so I preached way too long last week, so I'm, I'm going to stop. But, and the Green Bay Packers kick off at 10. But <laughs> this is the hardest command. It, it looks fluffy. Love God with your entire being. Love your neighbor as yourself. It looks fluffy, but it's not. It means love the people that are hard to love. Love the people you don't want to love and love them with everything you have, even when they don't want it and even when they reject it. This can only happen supernaturally. It can only, it can only happen aided by God's grace, which again is in fact why we are here today. Please stand. <clears throat>